Well, it's uh, just a pleasure and a blessing to be with you this morning. You know, God's word and his spirit always warms our hearts, but isn't it great to be warmed by a few uh, straggling rays of sunshine on November morning? Just a wonderful opportunity we have to come together as a people and worship God. My name is Zachary King. I was introduced to you already. I'm the director of Resonate Global Mission. Uh, my wife and our four children and I were missionaries in Haiti with what was World Missions, what now is Resonate Global Mission, for 12 years. And we came back in 2017 uh, for me to take the work of director. And I just wanted to briefly share with you a few moments before I open God's word a little bit uh, about uh, Resonate Global Mission. You saw some of the uh, beautiful pictures and scenes of, of our ministry around the world. Um, and you, you support many of our missionaries and you're involved in many of, much of the domestic mission work, uh, local mission work that Resonate is involved in. So you all know a little bit about uh, Resonate and what it's doing. But I wanted to just tell you briefly this morning that Resonate is really an extension of your own church's mission. We're here to serve you and walk beside you as you follow God into global mission in your neighborhood and around the world. So when we think about what Resonate's role is and, and your mission calling task, and I know you're celebrating it this uh, Sunday. And by the way, I'm really excited that I could come for the pig roast Sunday. I didn't even know that that was going to be part of the deal, but I'm really glad to be here. We uh, really think of Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 8, or verse 8 especially, where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we think about that, it really encapsulates the task of Ivanrest Church when it comes to mission. The Jerusalem, of course, uh, for us, uh, for the disciples, was that local area where we are sort of native, where we're, we're in some ways comfortable, where we're, uh, we understand how the, rule, how the rules work and what, what uh, the society is like. That is our local area, and that is the place that God calls us to be present in mission. And that is the place also resonate as the domestic mission agency of the Christian Reformed Church, too, wants to accompany you at Ivanrest CRC. We're involved in church planting. We're involved in campus ministry with the Christian Reformed Church and community outreach and evangelism. And so we want to be available for you there as well. But as we think about sort of the next step in Judea, which is a little, we're more accustomed to Judea, it really is our context, but then a little broader than Samaria, which is then a place that can be very culturally different uh, from, from us, but also geographically close. Resonate wants to walk with you as a church there as you reach out to perhaps uh, people uh, from different faiths and religions or different culture groups in, in your community that you don't know and that you haven't uh, connected with. We also want to walk beside you in that. But then, of course, the final part of that verse is, you know, to the ends of the earth. And, of course, that's something that we're all familiar with as uh, the International Mission Sending Agency of the Christian Reformed Church walking with you as you send missionaries uh, around the world. So Resonate uh, wants to deepen your passion for mission. We want to strengthen your capacity to follow God on mission. We want to amplify the impact that you and your church has in your neighborhood and around the world. And so I hope that, um, that you will uh, recognize and feel that as a mission agency of the Christian Reformed Church, we want to be beside Ivan Rest Church. We want to resource you. We want to walk beside you. Um, we have a regional mission team for the Great Lakes region that's available uh, for consultation and for encouragement as you think about your local mission. And I uh, want to be beside you as you reach out in your neighborhood and around the world. So that's a little bit about Resonate. Of course, Resonate is the coming together of Christian Reform Home Missions and World Missions that happened in July 1st of 2017. And we're really feeling blessed that God has given us this great opportunity to take what we've learned around the world in mission, take what we've learned in our local communities, and connect them together. Because if you look around even this part of Granville 
uh, Jenison, this part of West Michigan, you find people and communities moving and uh, at, on the move in which perhaps we've sent missionaries to in the past. And now we have a chance to connect with them right here in our doorstep. So it's a, a real pleasure for us. And also we do want to say thank you and, and leave that message with you too. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to serve you through your international missionaries that you send with our partnership and through the local and domestic mission work that you're involved in. And we look forward to talking to some more after the service. I've got a colleague here with me, Kyle Veneman. He's also wearing a handy-dandy Resonate name tag. You'll know him when you see him. But feel free to ask us any questions, and uh, we'll love to uh, talk with you. So let's go to God in a, a brief word of prayer as we center ourselves on his word this morning. Lord God, we give you thanks this morning. We give you thanks for this great opportunity to have our hearts and our spirits warmed. Even on a cold November morning, Lord, we're reminded of your great faithfulness, the changing of the seasons, Lord, the, the blue sky. Lord, we recognize that you are a God who is at work in your world. And Lord, we want to work with you. We want to work beside you. We know you are the first mover. We know you are the agent of change, Lord, but we know that you also come beside us and you call us to walk with you. And so, Lord, as we open your word this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us, that we would hear your voice. And that we would be hearers of the voice, or that we would be doers of the voice that we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded to you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with his people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Amen. You know, when it comes to life and the difficult and challenging opportunities and situations that we often find ourselves in, the first step is always the most difficult, 
The first step, I think, is always the most difficult. Think of your own life. Uh, for example, um, maybe some of you have recently come home with your first baby, your first new baby, and you come home with that baby in the infant care, you come in your house, and you put the baby on the table, and you think to yourself, what now? How is this going to work? Or perhaps it was your first day of school of this fall, and you were going to a new school, and you were anxious, and you were concerned, and you didn't have any idea how that day was going to go. And you took that first step, and you opened the door, and you were greeted by all of the activity, and your heart started. How is this going to work? Perhaps some of you have recently experienced your first day of retirement. For the first time, you've gotten up in the morning knowing that you don't have a job or, or a work, a task that you absolutely have to do, and, and you're anxious, and your heart leaps, and, and, and you wonder how this is going to work. The first step can always be the most difficult thing for us. Recently, I had a conversation with a, a pastor who planted a church, and um, for nearly two decades, worked in this church, and this church grew, and God blessed this ministry, and this pastor really became connected to the community and made a lot of friends and, and really was comfortable and really embraced in the place where he was, and, and he was getting near the time for him to think about his next steps, retirement. And he thought, is this really what God has for me? And, and he felt convicted to take a courageous first step to leave the church that he had spent nearly two decades in to become a church planter without the promise of a steady salary, without knowing who would, would work beside him in, in this, this challenging task of beginning a church. And as he was describing that decision to me, he said it was really like going into a tunnel. I know we don't have a lot of tunnels here in Michigan, but maybe some of you have been out west and can use your imagination. As you go into that tunnel, it almost immediately becomes dark. You know, if the lights are not on, it almost immediately becomes dark. And, and the tunnel is really dark. Three-quarters of the tunnel is, is pitch black until you make the final turn and you're coming towards the end. And then before you, you see the destination, and, and it becomes clear the purpose of going through that tunnel. But that first step of going into the tunnel is very difficult and, and very challenging. Now our text from Deuteronomy talks about first steps. It talks about the first steps of following God into mission, into a mission. The people of Israel, of course, were gathered on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. They had been given as a promised inheritance the land on the west side of the Jordan River. And they had been traveling through the wilderness for a generation and they had been hearing about these promises, and they had been learning about what God is going to do, and now they are right to the point of having to make a step, a step into a new situation. And we hear those words that Moses speaks. Those are really encouraging words. Maybe you connected with them as you heard them. Be strong and courageous. Those are encouraging words. Do not be afraid or terrified. Go with these people. I am with you. Do not be discouraged. I think we all need to hear words like this at those different stages of life where we're entering into a first step, a, a new time, a new era, a new epoch of our life. These are words that promises, these are words of promise that God gives all of those who he calls to the work of mission. And that is sharing God's light in dark places. Moses had a mission, right? We remember his mission. He was called to lead this people of Israel out of their land of slavery, out of Egypt, where they were, to lead them through the desert and into the promised land. And then Joshua received a, a, a mission to cross over to the other side of the river and actually go into that promised land and to, and to capture it and to gain it for the people. 
You and I have received a mission too. We are called to be God's light in our neighborhoods, in our local context. Maybe some of us have been called to take a first step into a challenging uh, a decision, a, a different ministry, or maybe going to a different place. But whatever it is, we know that we need God's strength for that first step. Now, as we're going to take a look at this text from Deuteronomy, we're going to see uh, God speaking about first steps in three ways. Uh, the path behind us where God has been, the place where we are, and then the way that's ahead of us. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning as we look at Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 through 8. So let's speak about God's presence on, on the path behind us, those dangerous first steps that we've taken in our history, in, in, our, in, our, in our past, effectively. So Deuteronomy is really Moses' last will and testament. We don't often get that unless we read the book from cover to cover or from end to end. But Deuteronomy, it's, it's really like Moses' last hurrah. It's his last breath. He's going to stand up to the people, stand up before the people, and he's going to basically summarize all of the stuff that he's been telling them for all of these years. And he's 120 years old. Now, I don't know how that strikes you. I, I'm not 120 years old, but I can imagine 120 years old, I would be pretty doggone tired. Moses is really, he's run to the end of his meter. His meter is expiring. Now, I know if you go downtown, they have all of these, you know, fancy new digital meters. But it used to be that when your meter comes up, a red flag goes up, and then you get a parking ticket. And that's where Moses was in Genesis, Genesis chapter 6. Uh, the Lord says that I will not contend with the soul of a human being more than 120 years. And so Moses has really hit that 120-year mark, and, and he's done. Um, God has made it clear that his time is up. And so Moses needed to remind the people of God's great faithfulness through all of these experiences and struggles and challenges that they faced. And I think we need to hear that too as a people. So let's take a look at the path behind. So for, for the people of Israel, the path behind really started with Abraham and Sarah. You remember these, these great patriarchs, these, the father and mother of the people of Israel. And they received a, a, a challenge, a calling to leave their families, to leave their homes in Babylon and to go and to travel all of these thousands of miles and to go to a land that God would give them, a land where he would make them as numerous as sand on the seashore, where he would bless them, he would make them a blessing to the nations, where they would be a light to the nations. And he gives them all of these promises and calls them to take this courageous first step and, and they follow him. And so Abraham, his mission, Moses reminds the people of that in verse 7 where he says, you must go with his people into the land the Lord, their swore, the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. So as Moses is recounting this too, he's also recounting his own personal history. He's, he's reminding the people of what happened with the, these two kings of the Amorites, powerful kings, Sion and Og, and how the Lord had, had allowed Israel to defeat them and to capture their land. And then Moses recounts what happened to him in the desert on the way when God told him to take his staff and to or to, to speak to a rock and allow, and God would allow water to come up out of that rock. But Moses was so frustrated and angry with the Israelites that he took his staff and he teed off on that rock and, and water still came out of it. But the Lord said, because you've done this, because you've not honored me, you're not going to go into the land that I promised you. And so Moses recounts this as well and shows all of these ways that God has been behind them and been in their past and made them strong and courageous for the task ahead. So this fall, we at Resonate Global Mission have, have been reminding the Christian Reformed Church of the path of mission and how God has been present in our past as a church. In our past, uh, our first international missionary, her name was Johanna Veenstra. Now, 
perhaps you don't know that name. Maybe you don't talk about that name over your supper table very often. But she was our first international missionary. She was from Patterson, New Jersey. And uh, 100 years ago, this October, she boarded a ship from the harbor in New York. And she crossed the ocean. She arrived in, in Britain, in the UK. And eventually she made her way to Nigeria. And she had a very strong calling and mission to go to Nigeria and, and was very firm in that calling. But the thing about it is that many people dissuaded her and pushed back against that calling. They didn't think that it was a place for a single young woman to travel across oceans and go into new countries and to learn languages and to do this work that she felt God had called her to. And then on top of it all, the Christian Reformed Church at that time it was... A, quite racist in its sentiments against people from Africa and didn't even think that they were a people whom we should reach out to in mission at that time. And yet Johanna Veenstra had that firm calling and she went out and, and because she was so dedicated to that calling, because she was a prolific writer and because of all the reports that she sent back and the journal entries that were published, she garnered support. And it wasn't until 1940 where the Christian Reformed Church came behind and said, yes, this is God's work. But she had passed away after only 13 years in that mission from the complications of an appendectomy. And so we're reminded about how God made her strong and courageous. And those words were really sort of her theme words. Those were one of her favorite verses. And she continually pointed people back to that. It's amazing how God has used the Christian Reformed Church in mission. And we're so thankful for that. But it's also amazing how God has used each of us in our own individual way in mission. Perhaps you can think back to times, maybe it was in your workplace, where you had an opportunity to share the love of Christ with someone, and your heart was just fluttering. You had no idea how to do this. And yet God somehow gave you the right posture and, and, and the right perspective to encourage someone. Or maybe it was in your neighborhood, or maybe it was in a, in a peer group or a group of friends that you meet with, where you had a chance to share the love of Christ in, in, a, in a tangible way. And you felt God with you, and, and those words, perhaps they didn't come to your mind, but they were empowering you to be strong and courageous because God has been behind us. He's been beside us as we've walked with him in mission. But God is not only behind us in our past. He's also with us now. He's also with us now. And Deuteronomy chapter 31 speaks powerfully to that. Were you surprised as you read these words? You know, it's, it's really strange, in fact, if you think about how Moses speaks to Joshua, isn't it? So, so Moses gathers all the people of Israel together, and he has this kind of monologue in which he tells them to be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you wherever you go, etc., etc. Makes all that speech, and he grabs Joshua, and he brings him up, and he sets him in front of the people, and he says, oh, and by the way, Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm going with you. Do all this stuff, etc., etc. It's like he's saying the same thing twice. He is effectively saying the same thing twice. And I wonder, makes me wonder, if Joshua needed to hear it twice. Maybe he needed to hear it three, maybe he needed to hear it a hundred times. Because his heart was fluttering. He was afraid about what would come next. Why would it have been the case that Joshua needed to know that God was with him at that very moment? Well, there were two things. Two things, I think, that probably gave Joshua a lot of anxiety as he was, his, as he was hearing this command to be strong and courageous. So first thing, if you dig back into the book of Numbers, you'll go back and you'll see that Joshua was one of 12 spies. He was sent out uh, when Moses had led the people fairly close to the promised land, 
He was sent out along with uh, 11 other spies, and they went out throughout all of this, this land of Canaan, this land that God was giving the people of Israel. And, and they saw it, and, and they even took some of its fruit, and they noted what kind of beautiful farmland was available and how it was a rich land. It was, as, as we see in, in the first five books of the Bible, flowing with, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it was a beautiful land. And then they brought back this report, but that wasn't all they said. They said something else, and that something else was that it was a land full of tall cities. It was a land full of armies with chariots and strong weapons. There were even giants there who were strong warriors. It was a land that swallowed people whole if they attempted to cross into it. And so 10 of the other spies said, no way, we're not going in. And because of that, for 40 years, the people wandered in the wilderness alone until that generation had passed away. So here's Joshua again on the shores of the Jordan looking to the west. And he's got one more thing to be concerned about, and that is Moses. Here is a person who was amazing. He was charismatic. He did wonders and miracles by the power of God. He worked these amazing miracles to defeat Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who at that time was the strongest ruler in the world. He separated waters. He separated the ocean. He caused plagues to fall down on the people. It was, he was an amazing leader, gifted. He spoke to God face to face. And what did he tell Joshua? Oh, and by the way, I'm out of here. My number's up. Now it's on you, buddy. And so Joshua had a reason to be concerned. He had a reason to need to hear those words that Moses was speaking to him. As I think about the place where we are today, I think there's a lot of connections that we can make with the people of Israel on the east side of the Jordan River. In some ways, we feel like our land is changing. It, it's becoming quite unfamiliar. We feel like there's so much uh, change around us. The ways that we, used to, that we are used to being the church, the ways in which we're used to doing mission, don't seem to connect in the ways that they used to. I was recently talking with a, another leader in the Christian Reformed Church, and uh, he was a, a, a pastor, another pastor, but in a rural area, a very rural area. And this was an area that was just a very difficult area to work. It was an area that really is impoverished, where the agriculture isn't providing for the people, where people are really addicted, a huge problem with addiction to opiates, uh, to alcoholism, to marijuana, a very difficult context work, a lot of crime. And this pastor has a congregation who is just energized on mission. In fact, in the summers, this church actually builds a, a tent enclosure in an adjacent field because many of those people in that community, they won't enter a church building. And so throughout the summer, then they have uh, mission events and they have opportunities to share and to bless the people in that neighborhood. But when I arrived that day, the, the church had been broken into and all of the equipment, the sound equipment, had been stolen. It was a small church, but it was a down day. And I was hearing the, the vision of that leader and of the other um, lay leaders in the church about how they were committed to this community, and they were even planning a church in the community that was meeting in, in this old church building. They were just at work, and I heard those words that Joshua said, be strong and courageous. They were strong and courageous in that community. And I think that reminds us of our own context and situations. For the Lord our God goes with us. That's what Moses said to Joshua. The Lord our God goes with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. So how is God with us today? 
Well, uh, very soon we'll be uh, passing our Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be moving into that, that four weeks uh, preceding Christmas. Sometimes we call that Advent in the church. And during that time, we're reminded of those great promises in, in the Old Testament where we read about the people of Israel who are in darkness and who are longing for, 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 for someone to save them, for the, for the advent or the coming of, of this Messiah figure, of this great leader that God will send to rescue them from their darkness. And, and we're reminded that that person is Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago to do exactly that, and that he is the eternal Son of God, in his very nature, God himself, and that he took on this form, this flawed, imperfect body, this human existence with all of its illnesses, with all of its imperfections, with all of its sufferings. And he walked in this, this body and in, in this life, and, and he went through all of the stages of life that we go through, and all of the pains of life. And finally, he went to the cross, and he suffered on our behalf a death which we could never even conceive or begin to understand for us and for our life. And that God says, I am in your heart through my Holy Spirit. I am in you and you are in me. And so we can be sure at this time that God is indeed with us much closer than anything else can be in our life. For the Lord our God will be with us wherever we are. Be strong and courageous to step into mission because the Lord your God is with you. So God is behind us, we recognize. God is with us, we've learned about that. But what about ahead of us? How is God ahead of us? So as you read those, those verses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, you see that God is indeed ahead of us. That's a, a big part of what Moses is trying to say to Joshua and the people there. He's saying that the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you and he will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. As Israel and Joshua readied themselves for that dangerous first step, that, that anxiety-provoking first step into an unfamiliar future, they went with the courage and the knowledge that the Lord their God was not only with them, he was also ahead of them. He was going ahead of them, which he had done all throughout their lives. And what a great promise that was. It was a risky first step. It was a dangerous first step. Who in their right minds would have made a step like that? into a land that swallows people up, a ragtag bunch of desert refugees entering into a land full of fortresses and cities, of armies, of giants, of weapons that they will never have, they were never uh, able to use. They were walking into that place. They had no hope from a human perspective. But they didn't have to look at it from a human perspective because the Lord their God went ahead of them. You know, think about the first battle they fought in that land. Now that takes us to the book of Joshua, chapters 1 through 5. But they first crossed over the Jordan River, and, and the water miraculously separated. And the first thing they met was Jericho. Jericho was bad news. That was a city that they could never defeat. They could never get into that city. And yet the Lord, through his miraculous power, caused those walls to fall down and allowed them to take over that city and to have victory. It's amazing what the Lord was doing ahead of them. And he would continue to do that. He would cause the sun to stand still. He would rout and destroy armies vastly superior, vastly more powerful than them. And he would open a way for them to take possession of that land because the Lord, their God, was going ahead. What did he ask? Confidently take that step. 
take that first step with me. So as we read this this morning, you know, a question that immediately comes up to us as we think about, you know, the future of the people of Israel and what they were going to do, you know, it can raise a lot of questions. This idea of going into the promised land, of going into Canaan, of displacing these nations, of, of, of destroying these cities, uh, you know, of, of the carnage and the suffering that that would cause. And so one of the things that we have to realize is that this was a command at, at one moment for one particular time for the people of Israel. And why would God give a command like that? Well, there's, there's really the, the key reason and the main reason is that the nature of the culture and of the society of the people of Canaan was such that it would cause Israel to fail in its mission. The people of Canaan were a people who were very corrupt in their religious practice and their social practice. They were people who were unjust, who were cruel to those other people in the land. There were people who in their worship caused a lot of even, even human sacrifice we read about in the book of Numbers. They were a people who were corrupt in their practice. And so for Israel to truly be a light, to truly be a blessing to all the nations at that crossroads of the world, in the, in the land of Canaan, where all of the nations were to be gathered around them, they had to be pure. They had to be God's people there. And so as we read, if you continue to read about Joshua and then Judges and into the Old Testament, the fact of the matter is, in the end, the people of Canaan actually did just that. They proved to be a snare. They proved to corrupt the practice, the religious practice and the social life of Israel. And so this command that, that Joshua receives from Moses was a one-time command. The command that we receive is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, of evil. So we proclaim the gospel. That is the mission that God has given us. And our mission is to proclaim Christ by loving our neighbors as ourselves. So just as the Lord crossed over the Jordan ahead of the people of Israel, he's also crossing over ahead of us in mission today. We at, at Resonate, I especially, have an opportunity to review a lot of the information that congregations like you send us through the surveys that you fill out, uh, through the opportunities that we have to connect with you. Um, and so we get this information, and uh, we have a chance to review it. And one of the things that we see is that the Christian Reformed Church is a church in general that has a passion for mission, that supports mission strongly, that cares about mission. But one of the other things that we find out is that the Christian Reformed Church in general has a level of anxiety about mission, especially outside the doors in the local community where it's situated. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with anxiety. I think a lot of that has to do with wondering how we can connect to people, perhaps they're not like us, people who uh, seem strange and difficult for us to understand. Perhaps they don't share our faith commitment. Perhaps they don't share our culture. Perhaps they don't share our values. But I want to just point out a fact to you. Listen to these words that, that Moses spoke. That the Lord your God goes ahead of us. He goes ahead of us. It's not about our capacity. It's not about our words. It's not about our strength. It's not about our intellect. It's not about our ability to speak well, our eloquence, our gifts. It's about what God is doing. And that is really the key to looking with hope to our future. That the Lord our God goes ahead of us. Be strong and courageous to step into our mission because the Lord, our God, is ahead of us. So we're at the end of our story. 
Here's Joshua standing at the banks of, of the Jordan River looking west. Imagine what it would have been like if he were there. And his heart is beating. He doesn't know how he's going to fill the shoes of Moses. He doesn't know how these people are going to go and take that land. And he's afraid. And he doesn't know what to do. But he knows that God is calling him to take a step. To take a courageous first step into mission. What can we do to summon the strength and the courage to take that first step with God? Well, I just want to share in conclusion one final idea. Pray. Pray for the mission that God has given you. Pray for your community. Pray for the people that God is calling you to love and to reach out with his love and to receive. Pray that God will open your heart. Pray that God will show you the way. Pray that God will give you a love and a passion for those people. Because God honors those prayers. And God makes a way for us to take that courageous first step. All we need is to take that step with God. Be strong and courageous to step into mission because the Lord our God goes ahead of us. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for this uh, encouraging word. We give you thanks for the way in which you meet us in your scripture. Lord, we need that message. We need to know that you're going ahead of us. Lord, without you, there would be no way for us to move forward in confidence and trust. And so, Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for the way in which you move. Thank you that you uh, separate the waters. Thank you that you give us victory. Thank you that you show us the way, that you light the path, that you give us confidence. Lord, we pray in this morning as we celebrate mission, the mission that Ivan Rust is engaged in, the mission around the world. Lord, uh, help us to take that courageous first step, whether it be in our neighborhoods, outside of our own doorsteps, whether it be here in this city, or whether it be in another place around the world. We pray that you would give us the strength and courage to take that first step. In Jesus' name we pray.